passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Super Bowl may be over, but you can make every game feel like the big game at Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all sports betting this season. Little bit of a down period here in the sports realm, but they have everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's that easy. Just make sure to use promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag, where the game starts. Hey y'all, before we get to today's podcast, I just wanted to touch on some news that broke after we recorded, uh, recorded this main episode, uh, on Monday evening, Tuesday afternoon, kind of throughout the day, some news trickling in first and foremost, Lorenzo Carter back to the Falcons on a two year deal. I like it. I think for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while throughout the last season, at least, uh, you know that I like Lorenzo Carter. I think he does a lot of these small things really well, sets the run. Well, kind of knows, how to play his role when his role is not the main defender who's supposed to make the tackle, which is important for any successful defense. Um, I think he needs a smaller role. I think the Falcons would like for him to be in a more of a situational role as opposed to the lead dog that at times he was asked to be um, throughout this last season. So if he comes back in that role and they continue to add to this edge position, I really, really like um them bringing him back uh, and adding him to the mix and, and keeping him around because he's still only 27 years old. Uh, so hopefully his best years, you know, he's right in the midst of them. The biggest and main news that I really wanted to touch on, obviously Lamar Jackson uh, gets the non-exclusive franchise tag from the Ravens, but shortly thereafter, ESPN's Diana Rossini reports that the Falcons are not interested in pursuing Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't think that I'm very surprised when I, when I first learned that uh, I wasn't shocked. And I say that only because if you look at this team and if you look at what Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have done since they arrived here, they have diligently and almost painfully at times worked their way to get to this position with their cap space to have the second most cap room in the NFL this off season uh, it's involved trading away Julio Jones, uh, Calvin Ridley, even though that came with some other mitigating circumstances, Matt Ryan, certainly, um, you know, just some other kind of cap clearing moves that they've made and, and players they chose not to bring back kind of that first off season when it was still a mix of the old guys and the new. Um, so I really was curious uh, when the reports were indicating that the Falcons may really be a player in this thing. In fact, Bill Barnwell, uh, another great ESPN writer, had the Falcons as his number one fit for Lamar Jackson and um, number one among the teams who should be interested in pursuing Lamar Jackson. Obviously, as a dynamic runner, you plug him into the offense that the Falcons had with Marcus Mariota and the sky's the limit. I mean, immediately... It's one of the most threatening. I mean, they already had one of the most threatening run games, one of the most consistent run games. You know, I think we're not far off from looking at the Falcons ground game, much in the same way that we look at Cleveland's, which is just game in and game out. You know that they're going to bring it. They may not have a Nick Chubb. They may not have a number two like a Kareem Hunt, but it's 
they're probably getting 120, 140 yards on the ground each game. You throw Lamar Jackson in on top of that. It's like DVD era Falcons rushing attack. Uh, If you know, you know. But it's a lot to give up. And I think that this team, I think that this organization is interested in building out the foundation of this roster. When he spoke to the media, I believe it was during Super Bowl week, Arthur Blank was making comments about, you know, the number of Super Bowl winning teams that have uh, certain amounts of cap space tied into the quarterback position. I believe he said uh, quarterbacks who account for at least 20% of their team's cap space. I've never won the Super Bowl. So clearly this is something that is on the mind of the Falcons organization is how you actually um, dole out your money. You know, right. I think they really do want to take some of the finances and repurpose them and put them over on the defensive side of the ball. If they made this move for Lamar Jackson and they gave him a fully guaranteed contract, you know, going to be worth as much as any probably in league history, probably short of Deshaun Watson's, but you never know. Um, That would just be more of what we had, right? That would just be more of an imbalance when you allocate the resources and you're an offensive heavy team. And more importantly, you're an offensive heavy team in really just a few players because coming up, you're going to have to pay Kyle Pitts, Drake London. You know, I know he's going only into his second year, so you've got some time there, but you see how really quickly you can become an imbalanced team. And that is not what... Uh, I think Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot want to do here in Atlanta. I really do think they want defense to be a big part of this because you already have one part of that formula. You've got a great run game. Go get a defense to kind of pair nicely with that. Um, So, yeah, not surprising to me that they are bowing out of the Lamar Jackson thing. I, I think that that was a very exciting wish to begin with. Right. But certainly wishful thinking um, from the get go, because it just doesn't jive with this plan that I think they've had from the beginning. The last little bit of news team deciding not to use their franchise tag on Caleb McGarry makes me a little bit sad because I think that he did everything that they asked of him last year and really became one of the most dominant run blocking right tackles in the league, at least for the 2022 season. So you would like to see that be rewarded. That's not to say it won't. They still have um, up until March 15th to reach uh, a new deal Um, before he officially becomes a free agent. Let's hope that can happen. If it doesn't, though, you know, I trust that they've got a plan. Um, You don't just let somebody like that leave for nothing. You know, whether it's Mike McClinchy or somebody else on the free agent market, maybe you draft a guy. Um, I would expect there to be some plan in the cards. Maybe it is Kayla McGarry and that they feel like they can get him a little bit less than what the franchise tag would have been. So that's my thoughts on all of the news that happened Tuesday just didn't want to leave you guys hanging after recording Monday with Kevin Knight and Aaron Freeman. So we're going to get to the main bit of the podcast right now. Thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoy it. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. We are breaking down all things free agency with a little bit of a Falcons wish list. And joining me to do that today is Kevin Knight. You can find him on Twitter at Kevin, and every Wednesday as the host of Falcolic Live. Kevin, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Glad to be on. It's uh, It's been a minute. I know you were enjoying some some well-earned uh, well, I don't know if we can call it rest technically, but uh, a break <laughs> at least from the coverage. Uh, so glad to have you back and glad to have the show back as well. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know if rest is the right word, but uh, I do feel recharged and energized, which is good. And rounding out this trio today is Aaron Freeman. Find him on Twitter at FalcFans, and you can find him every day on your podcast feeds as the host of Locked on Falcons. Aaron, what's up, man? Thank you uh, for joining us. Yeah. Um... Thank you for having me. I don't I don't have any plucky things to say like Kevin had to say. So thank you for having me. <laughs> short, short and simple. That's it's a timeless classic that always works, right? Um, well, the combine happened. Uh, free agency is, you know, coming up really quickly. Uh, the Falcons are one of the most interesting teams when it comes to this offseason and just how they can reshape the roster. We're really going to dive into free agency for the majority of today's conversation. But Kevin, I'll start with you. Are there any I don't know, 
overview takeaways from the combine? Like anybody that stood out to you that you maybe had on the Falcons radar or somebody who was on your radar who maybe didn't perform up to your expectations? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of really impressive performances. I mean, some of them were sort of expected, right? Like Christian Gonzalez, I think everyone expected to perform super well, and he he absolutely did. Um, actually ended up coming in second behind Deontay Banks, the quarterback from Maryland, who just had an absurd workout as well. Um, also really liked uh, what we saw from... Uh, okay, here we go. I'm going to attempt this. Uh, I've, been, I've been practicing, but now that the lights are on, it's, it's difficult. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like... Ad Adamia uh Ad Adaboire, I think is how you say it. Uh Ad Adaboire, I think is yeah. Uh, that is not how like you that. say it. Adatomawa Adabare. What oh, is okay. it, Aaron? One more yeah, time. Well, Adatomawa Adabare. But you can just call him Tommy. We'll call him Tommy. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with that. But at any rate, uh he actually I, I appreciate uh NFL stock exchange with uh Connor and Trev for pointing this out. Uh that uh yeah. He actually uh, beat Trayvon Walker's metrics at, at 10 pounds heavier. Uh, so Trayvon Walker was 272. Adabari was uh, 282. And he beat Walker, Trayvon enough. Walker's measurements uh, everywhere, basically. So uh, pretty impressive there uh, for a guy that is probably going to be a similar player to Trayvon Walker. Obviously, doesn't have the height. He's only 6'2", but does have long arms and is good, obviously. Uh, really impressed with the senior bowl. Um, and then, of course, Anthony Richardson, who just blew the doors off the combine, you know, the most impressive quarterback we've ever seen, set records uh, in the vertical and broad for quarterbacks, and then ran a 4-4-3, also at 6-4-2-44. So, uh, you know, I, I'm on record saying, like, the Falcons were going to draft a quarterback at 8, that it, I think I would want it to be Anthony Richardson. I still really don't think that they will do it, and now I think he won't be there. So <laughs> we don't have to worry <laughs> about that too much. Well, uh, Aaron, it sounds like Kevin has our friend Tommy uh, vaulting all the way up to number one. Uh, if Trayvon Walker did it and he's 10 pounds heavier, I mean, it only makes sense, right? What about Absolutely. you? Anybody stand out uh, at the combine? Yeah, I mean, Tommy out of Northwestern, as I heard someone referring to him, um, did stand out to me. I kind of thought he would be like a third, fourth round pick going into the week. But, you know, the, the buzz has been like maybe he's now around one guy. And wow. you look at his testing. Um, you know, you, you can understand it. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of good pass rushers. We didn't really get to see Tyree Wilson or Miles Murphy mm -hmm. test, but Lucas Van Ness, if anybody's a fan of him, um, certainly made his case for, you know, potentially being a top 10 selection. I, I know that was probably a little bit a questionable, um, to a lot of folks going into the combine, but I think he came out of it, you know, looking like what you want from a, you know, a top 15 from an athletic standpoint, pass rusher. So certainly in the mix, I think if you're looking at options for the Falcons at eight, um, and of course, Christian Gonzalez, I think was already sort of in that conversation and sort of confirmed himself to be in that conversation. I thought Joey Porter Jr. though, tested yeah. probably a little bit better than I thought he would wind up testing. Um, you know, I didn't think he was a questionable athlete, but you know, he, he ran a little faster and, and, and jumped a little further than I thought he would. Yeah, I mean, I think Joey Porter Jr. was definitely somebody who kind of like checked all the boxes and maybe like a check plus in some of those areas, even if he didn't like break the combine or anything like that. But it was great to see that. I think for me, Christian Gonzalez is probably the winner solely because he seems at this point like a really realistic shot for Atlanta at, at number eight. Big picture, like Anthony Richardson, I agree with you, Kevin. Is he now the the player, like if he's there, because the upside is so great, like, is he worth that swing? We talk about Lamar Jackson and like, should they trade for him? Is there a chance that you land somebody who has that level of upside without having to give up multiple first round picks and sign him to this major, you know, fully guaranteed contract? Like that's now in play to me where that's not to say it wasn't beforehand, but now we know that this is truly like a potential diamond um, in this draft. Let's uh, real quick stay with you, Aaron. Um, Derek Carr. Signing with the Saints uh, today on Monday or reports that he will um, join the Saints. Thoughts on that? A anything worth getting worried about? No. I mean, <laughs> no, no shots. I mean, for Derek Carr, <laughs> who's, who's a good quarterback. Uh, the Saints are looking for a competent quarterback play so that, you know, they they feel like they have a playoff caliber roster, you know, uh, built around. They just got to figure out who's a competent enough quarterback 
in the post Drew Brees world to, to get them back to the postseason. I think Derek Carr is capable of that. You know, this move felt like it was likely going to happen for several weeks now. So it doesn't necessarily move the needle in my regard at, at that position. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, to me, the, the conversation with the Falcons is, you know, can they catch up with the Saints from a team standpoint, not necessarily with the quarterback position? I think that's yeah. that's that when you watch those games against the Saints last year, like you, you notice we need a couple more playmakers elsewhere at the position rather than simply, hey, the quarterback's going to wind up solving all of our problems. It's it's a great point. Um, Kevin, I mean, Derek Carr, Andy Dalton 2.0. Like, is that kind of what this <laughs> is for you? <laughs> He's better than Andy Dalton, for sure. Uh, Derek Carr <laughs> is a good quarterback. Like He definitely makes that team a lot better. But it does put them in... And we say this every year, right? But it does put them in a more snowball-y financial situation once again, where now the clock's ticking on this contract for Carr. And I mean, with any big deal, it's going to be the same, especially when you're in that cap situation. But if, if Derek Carr is not good then they're completely screwed. Um, so, I mean, and anytime you give out that kind of money, that's basically the case. It's not like this is specific to the Saints, but um, I mean, his his cap hit, The I did the math on what the cap hits are probably going to be based on what was reported by Pro Football Talk and stuff like that. And the cap hit this year is probably only going to be 8.6 million. But to accomplish that, they have to make every other year a lot higher, starting with 2024, which is going to be over 37 million. And that's basically going to wipe out all of their available cap space next year already. And they yeah. only have about 32 players under contract right now for next year. So um, it's it's an interesting decision to go all in on a quarterback it, in this financial situation. It's basically the polar opposite of what the Falcons did last year. So I guess we'll see how it works out for them. Uh, <laughs> it hasn't worked so far since what the the last couple times they made the playoffs with Drew Brees, they still weren't good enough to get over the hump, and they're just running it back every year and just keeping pushing that snowball down the hill. So maybe something will change. I mean, the NFC is not great, so you know, maybe maybe it'll be enough. I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to figure out when you started covering the Saints full time because you know more about their whole situation than I think anybody else. <laughs> I get uh, asked about it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that was quite just the dissertation to, yeah. on uh, yeah. on New Orleans uh, cap structure, future roster uh, standing. Everything. So much for that so, 35 minute show time. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's uh, let's uh, transition, though, over to the Falcons after um that awesome breakdown of their biggest rival. And, you know, when I reached out to both of you guys, I just wanted to kind of get the thoughts of, of two people in this space who I, you know, admire greatly. I think that, you know, Aaron, you obviously know the Falcons, their history, everything extensively and have excellent out there takes that you're willing to die on. And so I love to get your thoughts on, on personnel decisions with the Falcons. And then Kevin is, voted most likely probably to respond with five random players whenever a free agency conversation comes up on Twitter. So, you know, who better to, to rattle off a list of, of guys that he likes than, than you two. Um, so Aaron, we're going to start with you. Just, we're going to go five to one kind of round Robin here. Um, some players we overlap on those that we overlap. We may save the conversations for when they're higher on the list. Uh, we can kind of litigate that as we go, but, who is number five on your list of of guys that you would like to see the Falcons acquire this offseason? Well, well, the, the brand is strong. And, uh, you know, I, I do a podcast called Locked On Fullbacks. I, I don't know if you know that that's what Locked On Falcons actually uh, their title is. But uh, oh. I have uh, Kari Blazingame, the Chicago Bears fullback, formerly of the Tennessee Titans, was very instrumental in those years when Arthur Smith was the play caller there. And that, that running game was, you know, as good as any in the league, you know, sort of clearing holes for Derrick Henry. I think Keith Smith has probably played his last down in Atlanta. You know, I, I, I credit Keith Smith for sort of stabilizing that fullback position in a post-Patrick DeMarco world uh, where the Falcons kind of struggled through a couple of years there with, uh, you know, Ricky Ortiz and, and Derek Coleman. There are a couple of years there at the fullback position. But I think it's time to get a, a younger player, uh, a high-level player that Kari Blazingame uh, has the potential to be very athletic player. Uh, and whatnot. And so I think he makes total sense for this Falcons team. We know they want to run the football. And so getting an impact fullback uh, in, in the backfield, I think, 
it, it can make a, a big difference and and help this offense reach you know even new heights, given where they finished last year as one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. Yeah, and I, you look at his Pro Football Focus page. I mean, he's graded out really, really well as pass blocker, um, which is something that the Falcons could use in the backfield. Um, as we know, they're a great run blocking offensive line, pass protection, especially if you get into the pure drop back game. You know, maybe a little bit more challenging. Don't know how much you want to have a fullback out there uh, on pass plays in the backfield, but who knows? Um, Kevin, you know, Falcons first signing of free agency. It's announced it's a fullback to a two year deal and it's Kari Blazin game. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I look, I I like it because it's probably going to be really cheap. And I think if you could get good contributors <laughs> for cheap, then I'm all for it because uh, nobody seems to respect fullbacks anymore i appreciate that aaron does and you know we've seen kyle shanahan use the fullback to great effect i don't think that you know anyone's matching kyle Uschek's ability out of the backfield in terms of his passing game acumen but i i do think that the blasting game is a a good a really good fullback and i definitely uh support signing him because again it's it's a small signing that could give you a significant bump the falcons do use a fullback on about 20 to 25 percent of their plays which is a pretty good clip in the NFL. So, uh, you know, minimal cost uh, for for a good player. You know, I do wonder if they will try to use a tight end to do to play that role, given Arthur Smith's, I mean, carrying as many as five tight ends last year. Um, and, you know, carrying a fullback, as long as he plays special teams really well, like what Keith Smith has done, then, then it's no problem. But um, it can get tough with the roster met to carry a fullback and four running backs, which is what the Falcons had to do because they run the ball so much. So um, I am interested to see, is, is, does Keith Smith come back? Do they bring in someone like Blasengame or do they try to convert one of these tight ends that they seem to have a million of into playing just that sort of fullback role? So let's, uh, let's stick with you, though, at number five. What's, uh, what's number five on your list? I got uh, Heineke Hive. Taylor Heineke is my my number five guy. Um, I do think that the Falcons will add a veteran quarterback. I just don't know if it's going to be Lamar Jackson because I, I just I still don't believe he's going to leave Baltimore. I just don't. Um, and if they put the non-exclusive tag on him, I mean, sure. Like if it's only going to cost two firsts, then yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm in. Um, I just don't really see Baltimore letting him walk. Uh, I think it's going to be very unlikely. So moving off of that, what do we want? We want someone that can be at least a someone who will push Ritter, that Ritter's not going to be able to just brush off like Logan Woodside. Like Toledo, great. You know, I got to see him play live when I lived in Toledo. Love Logan Woodside. But <laughs> Logan Woodside's not a threat to Desmond Ritter. He's not really going to push him in any meaningful way. I think the best thing for Ritter is to give him a veteran who can at least push him and who's also going to be able to step in, you know, uh, if Ritter should really falter. And I think that is Taylor Heineke. He's clearly not a great starter, maybe not even a good starter, uh, you know, probably <laughs> more of like a borderline average starter. But he does fit what I think Arthur Smith likes a quarterback. I think he's got he's a pretty good athlete. He's got a good arm. Um, and it seems like everyone on the team, like the commanders, just generally love the guy. Um, and I think that's a really underrated thing for your your backup quarterback. Just how how does he get along with everyone? Um, and I and like this is a guy that has you know gotten a chance to play, and I think could be a valuable mentor for Ritter. Um, and would give the Falcons a really reliable backup quarterback who's still pretty young. So um, and I don't think he'll break the bank either. I mean, I think you could probably get him for five million or less. So uh, <laughs> big Heineke fan. <laughs> big Heineke fan. I was surprised to find that he was 30. I don't know why he just seems younger than that to me. Um, Aaron, I'm going to go that useful vibrance. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the way he plays, right? It's, it's just that type of, uh, of energy. Aaron, we're going to go to you in one sec, but I also have a quarterback as number five on my list. Jacoby Brissett. I think that, you know, same reasons Kevin mentions comes in here, pushes, um, Desmond Ritter. But I, I think that I don't know, Jacoby Brissett, if I'm going to have somebody who's my backup and kind of helping coach and bring along the rookie, he just strikes me as a little bit more of that guy, of somebody who has experience, who has been around some of the better quarterbacks in this league, learned from them, carries himself a certain way, was in a really tough situation last year, kind of thrived um, in that situation and, and played really well. I think he actually 
would be a sneaky good fit for Arthur Smith's scheme. Um, but Aaron, of those two quarterbacks, which one you know gets you a little bit more excited, or is, is does neither really do it for you? Um, probably Brissett would probably get me a little bit more excited, just because I think we've seen probably him be a little bit more of a stabilizing force for a team. But Heineke was very high on my list of quarterback options. I think he was number two behind uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh, for me, who I'm expecting the, the Steelers to cut. So one of those three guys feels like would be a, a great pickup for the Falcons where you get a competent starter in a world where, you know, Desmond Ritter gets hurt or, you know, struggles this year. Um, but, you know, also a guy that you probably won't have to necessarily pay starter money. Like you can probably pay somewhere between three and $7 million to, to come in and, and, and potentially be a backup. So I think all, all of those guys make a ton of sense. Uh, but if you, were parsing, you know, who would I get me a little bit more excited? I, I just been a probably a bigger fan of Jacoby Brissett for probably a bit longer than Taylor Heineke, but it would be nice to not lose games to Taylor Heineke anymore <laughs> if he's an Atlanta Falcon. I think I don't know if Kevin, you pointed out, he also is local to the Atlanta area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's something that they Terry Fondo said at the combine, like. Look, we put peaches next to the dudes from Georgia. They're not everybody likes to talk about Georgia Bulldogs. And I think his mindset is that amazing football players come from this state long before they get to Georgia and many never even get to Georgia. And it's like whether they are from the University of Alabama, University of Oregon, if they're from the state of Georgia, we're interested. So Taylor Anakey, you know, being from the state of Georgia, there may be a, an extra level of of incentive there. But Aaron, you and I share the the same number four player on on our list. Uh, do you want to reveal who that is? That is a uh, Saints defensive end Marcus Davenport. Uh, I think we all would agree that the Falcons need pass rush help, and and Davenport is one of multiple pass rushers that I have the Fal- uh, that is on my wish list. And you don't look at this, you know, defensive end crop of free agents, and you don't see a ton of guys out there that kind of fit what you kind of expect, you know, Ryan Nielsen, the new Falcons defensive coordinator to bring in, he's probably going to want bigger ends. You know, mm-hmm. those guys are like 265 plus because, you know, the saints under Dennis Allen and obviously with Ryan Nielsen, there, specialized in, in playing with some relatively light boxes. So having guys that can be fully three down players and Davenport, despite his injury history has been a very good player for the saints, you know, not a sack maven or anything like that. I think coming off a season with, just half a sack, but had nine sacks the previous year. Gets a lot of pressure, is a good run defender, uh, grades out pretty consistently well. Um, and I, I feel like Atlanta is a place where he can come in on a maybe a one-year prove-it deal, similar to what we've seen a player like Jadavion Clowney uh, sign the last couple of years, uh, like a one-year $10, 12000000 million type of contract, and, and come in and get his best football. And I think he could potentially blossom here in Atlanta because I think one of the things that he, you could – get out of Marcus Davenport that the Saints weren't able to get out of him is you can move him around, right? Like the Saints always had Cameron Jordan pretty much on that one spot going up against the right tackle. So generally yeah. speaking, you know, Cameron Jordan was able to feast on lesser offensive tackles. Uh, although we know that the dichotomy between left and right tackle isn't as stark in today's NFL as it used to be. But when you did have instances like we saw for several years with a certain Falcons right tackle that may have been not as good as the Falcons left tackle. Uh, I'll, I'll allow you guys to figure out who I may be talking about. But we saw Cameron Jordan feast on those guys. And I think Marcus Davenport could benefit from, you know, coming to Atlanta where he could be the featured pass rusher and may be able to get uh, some of those favorable matchups, which may lead to increased production for him here in Atlanta than he got, than we saw uh, consistently over the last couple of years in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I think that, when he's been on the field, and that's kind of the big if, right? And that's probably why he's hitting free agency. And it's probably, you know, why some teams are going to be more interested than others because he's had a lot of injuries throughout his career, but notably none of them are like really serious ligament injuries. That's pec injury, ankle, foot, shoulder, like weird things, but, you know, hopefully not long-term issues, but his production on kind of like a per snap basis is really, really solid. I mean, a 17.8% pass rush win rate, which is one of the hardest phrases in the English language, um, and about a 14% percent, uh, pressure percent uh, rate. That's really solid. Like since he's entered the league, those are top 20 numbers. The Falcons have done a little bit of a 
like a one year uh, man on a mission type of pass rush, like we're going to sign you to be a mercenary type of deal. But he would far and away be the best of that crop um, that the Falcons have signed, counting Leonard Floyd, Lorenzo Carter and, and Mark Davenport. Like, I think that he's got certainly that upside. He's still young, 26, like in the prime of his career. So the hope would be that, yeah, he puts it all together here in Atlanta one-year deal, maybe two-year deal, like something short-term that you could then work out long-term if he does flash um, in that one year. But Kevin, how do you feel about that? Uh, And then who is the number four player on your list? Yeah, I mean, to me, Mark Stavenport is going to be too expensive for me to be interested. I I don't disagree with anything you guys have said. He's coming off a season where he had a half sack. And (laughs) I think Spotrack is projecting him to get 20 million per, which makes zero sense to me. I get the the career long numbers and things like that. Um, but I I'm out uh, at that number. Um, and we know these guys get overpaid all the time. It just sort of happens. Um, yeah. if he's willing to take a one year prove it sort of deal to come to Atlanta, you know, in that 10 million range, then absolutely. Um, you know, I do think obviously he's a better player than his last season with the saints would suggest, but, um, he played as many snaps relatively close to uh, Arnold Ibikati, and Arnold Ibikati was far better. So, and I'm not trying to, you know, dunk on Arnold Ibikati. I like Arnold Ibikati, but we're not paying Arnold Ibikati $20 million next year. So, um, that's just sort of where I sure. land on that. That's why I'm less high on, on Davenport, but I totally understand. Obviously, we have the connection both with Fontenot and with Ryan Nielsen, and if I think if they do sign him, then that's sort of a an acknowledgement from this front office and Nielsen that, like, he was hurt. That's why his production was down. And Nielsen would mm-hmm. know better than literally anyone else if that was the case. So if they do end up yeah. signing him, then I would trust that, that that was definitely the case there. If they don't sign him, the Falcons aren't at all interested, then I think we'll also know that there are some concerns there. Yeah, um, you can read the tea leaves like either way, kind of depending on what the Falcon. The yeah. only way that maybe it works out for like is if they're interested, if they're in the mix, and then it just goes to a higher bidder. Like then you would be like, okay, maybe his career's up but like yeah you would think that however the falcons do this it's gonna say a lot about the player but um who's number four on your list kevin yeah i have a wide receiver here uh darius slayton (laughs) from the giants who has been um there's been some buzz around the falcons and slayton for like it seems like they're like maybe connected to trading for him at one point um he did turn in uh a very good year in 2022 after having uh some injuries in 2021 but really just a very steady wide receiver two type guy uh, who's been saddled with, you know, honestly, some pretty poor quarterback play uh, in New York throughout his career. Um, But other than his injury plagued 2021, he's hit at least 724 yards in his three other seasons uh, and over 15 yards per catch, at least two touchdowns. Um, I just like him. I think he's, he's a rock solid wide receiver. Two, I think he blocks well. He's got good size, you know, at over 6'1", 190. Um, I think he fits what the Falcons want to do. I think he's a versatile guy that can, you know, run a lot of routes and and be someone who could take some of the pressure off of Drake London. And I don't think he'll be overly expensive like the top end guys. Like, I, I love Jacoby Myers. I've loved him since he came out in the draft, but he's going to demand big money as the top, one of the top free agents. Mm-hmm. And I think Darius Slayton's sort of in that tier where it's like he's just quiet enough in terms of his production that I don't think he's going to be getting big money. Um, so I, that's that's where I lean there because I think he'll be a good value signing and, and sort of checks the boxes for the Falcons and gives them a, a, a more of a high-end veteran that they're sort of lacking. You know, as much as I like Daryl Hodge and, and Demir Bird and those guys as like depth players, they, they do need uh, another higher-end guy to bolster yeah. that group. Is, is Darius Slayton good enough to be your number two, Aaron? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I like Darius Slayton. Uh, you know, I kind of feel similar to Darius Slayton as Kevin talked about with Marcus Davenport, though. I do wonder what his price tag is going to be right. given that, you know, the wide receiver, you know, Christian Kirk, we shout out to Christian Kirk and his agent, uh, it's for not completely. A good, yeah. It's not a good market though. <laughs> and so that he could get it something like that. Yeah. You know, they, they completely revolutionize the wide receiver market, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when they do an NFL documentary on free agency, you know, the last hundred years of free agency, there will be a 20 minute section talking about just like a back to back 30 for 30. (laughs) 
<laughs> there will be a 20 minute section on, on Christian Kirk in, in that contract that the Jaguars gave him. And I wonder, given that you don't necessarily have a strong draft class, um, you don't have a, you know, super, super deep wide receiver crop of free agency, does that drive up the price of, of a Darius Slayton? Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of getting a modest, you know, number two contract, which I would imagine, you know, is like somewhere between like eight and 12 million a year, does he get 15, 16? in that Jacoby Myers range, 18 million, which is what Christian Kirk got. So um, that would be the only thing that gives me pause, but I think Slayton brings a lot of juice to the offense. And that's something that the Falcons, I think definitely need at that wide receiver position. Yeah, I definitely do think that they are in the market for a better number two option. Um, certainly like I would be surprised if they don't add at least an upgraded version of, of an option that they have kind of there. Um, Aaron, we're going to come back to you. I promise breaking the order a little bit here and it'll make sense in a minute. But Kevin, let's go to your number three. Yeah. So sticking with like the, the edge group, um, I went like in a different direction with going after Yannick Ngakwe, um, who I do agree is sort of not necessarily the, the typical um, edge rusher that the saints would have taken. Right. Um, and the reason I went that direction is I think, Ngakwe's production speaks for itself. He's one of the most consistent edge rushers in the NFL. Um, he hasn't had a season under eight sacks in his in his entire career since 2016. Do you guys know the last Falcons player to have eight sacks in a season? I would assume I, it's Vic Beasley. Do you know which season? <laughs> Probably. 2017? 2019? 2019. Yep. And Grady had seven and a half. Oh, okay. well, not bad. Yeah. But at any rate, yes, like, he would obviously be the most productive Falcons pass rusher, probably, you know, and <laughs> and since at least 2019. Um, he's he's not like a stonewall type of run defender, but he is a really good penetration, like uh backside run defender. He gets a lot of tackles for loss. Um, just a really good productive pass rusher, probably more of that number two pass rusher, right? Like he's not like uh, you know, Miles Garrett type, but the Falcons are probably gonna have unless they nail they're the eighth overall pick and somehow that person turns into the miles Garrett type. They're going to have to roll with a couple of number two edge rushers for a while. I think they, I think they probably found one in Arnold Epicady, but um, if you can't get a number one, then get two number twos. And I think that's what Ngakwe brings. Um, He's, he's only, I mean, it seems like he's been around the NFL forever, right? Like 2016 was his first season, but he's only going to be 28. uh, So you could give him a two to three year deal. um, And you know, very much uh be be you know up for an extension when he's like 31. So um I do think he'll be quite expensive. He would probably be one of the the more expensive options in this class, you know, probably in that like 15 million a year range. But um, you know, uh I, I do wonder if Nielsen is as tied to the Dennis Allen defense as a lot of people assume, or if he has some other ideas, like now that he's mm-hmm. on his own, maybe he does he's going to be a little bit more flexible with how he deploys stuff, especially considering the personnel the Falcons already have. Um, but it's just something we don't know and probably won't know until training camp, what the defense is actually going to look like. So uh, I'm, I'm considering, you know, Ngakwe as, as a potential option. I've always liked Yannick Ngakwe as a player. Uh, I think partially because it's one of the coolest names uh, in the league, but I wonder if he's a little bit too situational pass rusher for what the Falcons are looking for. You know, he is really get him wide, let him speed rush. Like he's got a a couple of like, that is his best usage. And he is more of that like rotational piece. And I do think the Falcons are looking for more of those, you know, 260 to 290, like guys to put on the edge who can handle multiple roles and be that versatile player than somebody you rotate in on passing downs. But that's just me. I do like Yannick Ngakwe and he is only 28, which is always surprising. Aaron, you know, your thoughts on, on him off the edge. Yeah. I am in a similar mindset as you will. I, I do wonder about the, the scheme fit and Kevin kind of pointed it out. Um, I think I'm, I'm a fan of Yannick Ngakwe. I'm a big fan. He's, he's got probably the best cross chop in the NFL. And I do think it'd be worthwhile signing him just so that he, maybe that he could teach that to Arnold Ebiketti and D'Angelo Malone. The Dwight Freeney role. Stuff. Yeah. So I feel like that would be worth it alone, but I I, I kind of think Ngakwe is kind of one of these mercenary pass rushers. We've seen him be on like four different teams in the last like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mostly because of what Kevin was saying. I think teams 
bring him in thinking he's still going to be that like double digit sack guy, that lead dog in a pass rush. And they kind of like, oh, he's just a number two guy and his, his production hasn't been quite the same as it was when he was at the peak of his powers in those Saxonville days when he had Calais Campbell rushing from the interior. And you do wonder a little bit, you know, having a player like Grady Jarrett on the interior, does that allow him to bounce back a little bit? But I do think he, he's a worthwhile rent for probably a year or two. And you kind of hope that eventually either Arnold Epichetti or D'Angelo Malone can kind of be exactly what uh, Yannick Ngakwe is, you know, yes. a perennial eight sack guy year after year. And, and, you know, when they hit that mark, they will be, you know, 23, 24, while Ngakwe will be like 30 by that point in time. And so you, you will basically rent Ngakwe for a year or two and then hopefully, you know, just basically take his skill set his cross shop and, and put it on Arnold Abiquetti and, and you basically have a cheaper, younger uh, version of Yannick Ngakwe. So for that reason alone, I think it's worthwhile for the Falcons to pursue it. All right. Well, when uh, Yannick Ngakwe hits you with that ageist uh, lawsuit, we will, uh, we'll know where he, where he heard it uh, right here. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, Aaron. Like I, I'm for it. I'm for it. But I would just hope there's a little bit of a plan in place. Cause I don't know if he is your long-term answer as your prime one, a, um, pass rusher. I'm going to real quickly hit my number three. We don't need to spend much time on him because it's Levante David and it's a player that a lot of Falcons fans should be familiar with. He's probably somebody who's going to be outside of their price range relative, even though like, you know, they say they just want good players that they have needs everywhere. If we're looking at a list of the needs and most pressing needs, I kind of think if the biggest free agent acquisition you have is at linebacker, maybe things didn't go the way that that you wanted them to in this free agency. Cause I don't know if that is the most pressing need that this team has. That being said, Levante David is the type of player that I do think kind of can transform a defense from the inside out because of the things that he does so well. He is a poor man's Bobby Wagner. He's still great in coverage, even though he's getting a little long in the tooth. He's somebody who I would love to see here for one to two years, get that next wave of young defenders up, get them around somebody with one of the best work ethics in this league um, so if, if they're going to go after like one big gem of a player, his age probably knocks that price tag down a little bit. Levante David would be somebody I would be very thrilled to, uh, have here in Atlanta. Any, any thoughts? I'm going to do what I shouldn't do and open it up to the table. Anybody? I'll, I'll say this. I'm a big fan of Levante David. You know, he's a hall of fame caliber player in my book. And certainly I would love him coming in and, and sort of teaching the young guys how to be professionals. Um, so we'll see, but I imagine he's going to be ring chasing at this point Probably. in the time of his yeah. career. So, you know, I, I'm optimistic about the Falcons, you know, being a playoff team, but I don't know if we should be penciling <laughs> them in for chasing rings anytime soon. No. Um, all right. So let's go to your number three then, Aaron, which coincidentally, and I will say, this is why it all worked out this way. This is Kevin and I's number two is Aaron's number three. So we'll just hit them all all at once. So I have Javon Hargrave, the Philadelphia defensive tackle. Um, you know, I know a lot of Falcon fans were really high on getting Deron Payne here before he was franchise tagged. But, you know, if we're being completely honest, Javon Hargrave is better than Deron Payne. We all uh, had him before that news came out. You guys sent me your list. We all had Javon Hargrave. Nobody had Deron Payne before he got tagged, just for the mm-hmm. record. Yeah. Yep. And so, like, basically the player you hope Deron Payne is going to be for the next five years Javon Hargrave's been that player for the last five years, right? Ooh. Now, I think that's the big question with Javon Hargrave, given that he's going to be on the wrong side of 30, how much more does he have left in the tank? But based off of what he did this past year, looks like he's still got quite a bit left in the tank and was one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL and a big reason why that Philadelphia pass rush was so dominant until we got to the month of February. Um, so I, I don't feel like, you know, it should be a pretty no-brainer Clearly, you guys agree with me that Javon Hargrave would be a huge hit for the Falcons and give Grady Jarrett that running mate that, um, you know, makes sense. And like one of the knocks I had with the idea of Deron Payne was like, I don't think he's as good as Grady Jarrett. And it didn't make any sense to me to pay him more money to be, you know, basically the Robin to Grady Jarrett's Batman. But I think you can make a very easy case that Javon Hargrave is just as good if not better than Grady Jarrett. So you are going to pay him a ridiculous amount of money. I think Grady Jarrett's contract extension was like, what, 16, 16, five a year or something like that. So if, if Hargrave's price is going to go above that, I think it's much more justifiable 
with a player like Hargrave than it would be mm-hmm. with Deron Payne. Kevin, you watch uh, defensive line play very closely. Uh, tell us about Javon Hargrave and why you're so high on him. He's just really good. I mean, there's not really like a lot you have to get into. He's just really good. I mean, the you look at the stats, the stats are incredible. I mean, he had 11 sacks this year from the interior, which is awesome, right? Um, he's a really <laughs> good did. run defender. I mean, he played he played nose tackle for Pittsburgh for four years, uh, you know, and then he sort of slimmed down a bit, went to Philly and became a great pass rusher. I mean, he was not never a bad pass rusher in Pittsburgh, but it was sort of like, they were asking him to, you know, be their nose tackle, and he just happened to be getting, you know, six and a half sacks some years, uh, as even even doing that. Um, then he gets to Philly on that stack D line. They make him more of like a three tech type of guy, um, and he's just crushing it, obviously. Um, and like I wouldn't expect him to to match that Philly production in Atlanta. I mean, that whole defensive line was just so good that it just it makes everybody so much better as a result in terms of the production. But he's a really good run defender. He's a really good pass rusher. It's a no-brainer. Like, if you want to fix the interior with one signing, it's Javon Hargrave. He's better than Deron Payne. And the only thing is that he's 30, right? So unlike Deron Payne, you're probably not giving him like a four to five-year deal where with Deron Payne teams might have been tempted to give him that sort of crazy long contract because of his age. With with, with Hargrave, it's probably a a three-year deal. But I think you've seen plenty of defensive tackles play well into their early thirties. Um, and, and he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down at this point. Um, and it would be so nice for Grady Jarrett to finally have that elite dude next to him. Um, I, I think if you're going to make a big signing on the defensive line, getting that, that star defensive tackle next to your star defensive tackle, making that interior actually something you can hang your hat on. Um, finally on the defensive line, uh, it just makes so much sense uh, for them to go that direction. Um, and, you know, I think all you need to do at that point is just add a, uh, you know, add a nose tackle on day three in the draft. And uh, I think you're you're cooking on the interior. So, um, yeah. yeah, you know, I, I think that's that's sort of where I land on on Hargrave. Just really, really good player. And I think we saw last year that, you know, they can find big bodies to throw into the interior of the defensive line like relatively easy some of these unnamed unknown guys that that were just in camp that ended up playing some decent minutes uh yeah you can find that third piece but i think javon hargrave to me kevin it's what you highlighted it's the versatility it's that he did such a good job in that nose tackle role in pittsburgh and was an elite player in a different role then goes to philly and is more of a one gap attacking pass rush interior player and does that at an extremely high level as well and the falcons have all this talk about they want to be multiple. They want to do different things, especially kind of in the trenches. You get a player like Javon Hargrave who can do both at a very high level. And that just amplifies kind of that style of defense that you want to play. I don't think since maybe Dontari Poe has Grady Jarrett had somebody like this next to him. Um, and I think that also that versatility kind of changing his game speaks to the level of worker that Javon Hargrave is. Grady Jarrett is famously probably the hardest working player on the Falcons roster. Having somebody next to him that works just as hard, if not harder, like that can only have some positive uh, vibes for the entire defense, honestly. So I think that that is, is really, he could be number one on my wish list. Like, and I think it's attainable. Like I talked about Levante David, if you're going to throw money at a guy, Javon Hargrave could be the number one player on my list of, of the big money dudes that it could take. Um, but he's number two. Which brings us to Aaron's number two. Uh, what you got, bud? I got uh, Buffalo linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. And so piggybacking on the point you just made, Will, if you're going to throw you know, a lot of money at a free agent, I think Tremaine Edmonds makes a ton of sense. I think the linebacker position um, is something that the Falcons need to be looking to upgrade. Um, you know, I, I like Troy Anderson's development, but you know, Michael Walker kind of stagnated this year. You know, I, I wasn't a huge Rashawn Evans fan. Uh, so, you know, I'm not necessarily welcoming him back into the building. If, if I have my choice, if I can steal the keys from the janitor, uh, in that regard. But, um, I think Tremaine Edmonds is a really young player, really talented player has gotten better each and every year in Buffalo has elite skill set. You know, he's like six, five, two fifty, super long arms can rush the quarterback and play the run is an elite coverage player. He checks all the boxes you look for in, you know, a linebacker that you can kind of build your defense around. Uh, and he's been a big part of why Buffalo's success they've had the last couple of years on defense, even if he isn't necessarily the, the, the guy that makes all the plays. That, that's been the one knock on him 
It's like Matt Milano is the guy that makes all the plays, the forced fumbles, mm-hmm. the interceptions, and Tremaine Edward, Edmonds is just quietly doing his job and allowing a player like Matt Milano to succeed. And I think he could do a similar thing for a player like Troy Anderson playing next to him and sort of he's that centerpiece around your defense. The question is going to be price tag, right? Uh, and the question also, maybe the Buffalo may value him enough to, to franchise tag him. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. He, it's, it's, it's kind of my pie in the sky hopes uh, when it comes to my number two free agent, just threw some, a name out there that I don't necessarily know is that realistic that the Falcons will pursue him. But if we're, you know, making a wish list, might as well, you know, swing big, right? Yeah. And I mean, he physically reminds me a lot of Devondre Campbell, kind of like some of that skill set too, but just maybe at a little heightened level, like obviously a better coverage player than Devondre Campbell was. But we also saw what he developed to, into in, in Green Bay. And it's kind of when he put all of that together, yeah, we, we saw that it looks scary good. But here in Atlanta, kind of reminds me again of what you were just saying with, with Edmonds. Deion Jones seemed like the playmaker. And Devondre Campbell at times seemed like the best player on the field. But that was far and or few and far between. Like those moments where it was just like, wow, there's the athleticism. That's what you can do. You should do it more frequently. Tremaine Edmonds is a much more consistent version of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it would be a really cool addition here. Kevin, any Tremaine Edmonds thoughts before we get to the number ones? I mean, I think it makes sense. Um, I I have no qualms with them going after a premium linebacker. Uh, It wasn't like at the top of my list to the same extent as I I guess both of you guys, you know, because well, you had Levante David too, but I do think Mm -hmm. that it makes a lot of sense and I don't really see them prioritizing Rashawn Evans um, in the same way that I thought they would have if Dean Pease was still here because Rashawn Evans generally plays well with Dean Pease, but whenever Dean Pease has not been there, <laughs> he has not been a good starter. Um, and so I, I don't really see the team emphasizing bringing him back um, since team, Dean Pease is retired. Um, you know, we could see if the Falcons go after like a Caden Ellis from the Saints, you know, because the Saints are not really going to have a lot of money to play around with this offseason. Um, they could potentially snipe several of the Saints. Uh, free agents. You guys mentioned Davenport and you know David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle, Caden Ellis, other guys that didn't necessarily make our top list, but mm-hmm. those sort of depth pieces could definitely be an option. But yeah, I like Tremaine Evans. I think that would be a very worthy uh, big ticket item to spend on. I think it just like safety, which we're going to get to. Spoiler alert. Yep. Um, I think the the middle linebacker is, is a captain of your defense sort of player that I think it's sort of like become like it's not trendy to pay your linebackers anymore or something like that. Same thing with like safeties, but I think it's, it's a really important position and I don't have a problem paying an elite player at any position for the most part, except, you know, maybe running back, but that that's, you know, we'll save that for the draft takes uh, later (laughs) (laughs) on another show. But um, yeah, I I do like Tremaine Evans. I think he'd be very worthy, uh, very worthy linebacker addition. All right, so we're uh, down to the number one on each of our list. And for the sake of time, and because we all have safeties, uh, we'll just let's have this conversation just down in the open. You both have Jesse Bates, and I have CJ Gardner Johnson, who I'm fully aware may get the tag here in, in the next couple of days. So he may be off the table by the time you guys listen to this. But if he's not, I think the Nielsen connection, obviously, with Terry Fontenot, like there's a history there, but the energy, the style of play that he brings, the fact that he can play two positions of need at a pretty high level, the two positions being slot corner and kind of a hybrid box free safety um, role. So whether Jalen Hawkins kind of doesn't have that role anymore or Isaiah Oliver is not brought back, like he fills one, if not both of those roles. But you guys like Jesse Bates and it's understandable why but you know why don't you Aaron we'll start with you why don't you explain a little bit about why when you look at kind of the safeties available and there's some good ones including Jordan Jordan Poyer as well but like what is it about Jesse Bates that makes you think hey he's the right guy for Atlanta yeah I think he brings a different skill set that the Falcons lack at the secondary like Jesse Bates specializes in being a, a deep coverage specialist and you look at the Saints defense uh, under Dennis Allen and, and Ryan Nielsen's time there over the last six years, they had that player in Marcus Williams. And a big part of why their defense was so successful was having that sort of ball hawking, the rangy, you know, center fielder type uh, in those sort of two high coverages that they love to, to deploy. And I don't see that type of player currently on the Falcons roster. The Falcons had Jalen Hawkins in that role quite a bit 
last year. Um, I, you know, Jalen Hawk is a perfectly fine, you know, role player, but he's not an impact starter. We saw Richie Grant be very up and down in that role, uh, you know, giving up some big plays when he was asked to play uh, some of those deep coverages. And I think you just kind of need that type of player that's going to allow, you know, a player like Richie Grant to be more aggressive, allow your corners to be more aggressive at the line of scrimmage because they know they have that type of high end um, safety help on, over the top that Jesse Bates can provide. And I think that's a big reason why you've seen, you know, the Bengals defense make significant improvements in the last couple of years, even without necessarily having elite corners that, you know, their safeties in uh, Jesse Bates and, and Von Bell, another player that could be potentially on the Falcons radar, given those Saints connections, um, you know, have been able to elevate that. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of CJ, GJ. The only thing I would say is I feel like you already have a similar type of player on your roster. I, I think. Mm-hmm. When you look at what CJ GJ brings to the uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, for those of you unfamiliar, the um, uninitiated, yeah, um, I think he is basically what you kind of hope Richie Grant is going to grow into, right? Now, I think the the beauty of, of CJ GJ is that he's already there, and you know we'll see right. if Richie Grant can get there. But in terms of being a you know kind of an undersized safety, but can be aggressive, can play the nickel, can play you know deep and all that stuff, can be that sort of rangy playmaker. He's already that player. He's been that player for a number of years. And certainly I think makes a ton of sense for the Falcons, but I think you kind of are looking at a player like Richie Grant and not to mention, you know, a player like Isaiah Oliver, who has similar skill set of being that sort of nickel corner that can uh, potentially get into the mix at safety. That's the only reason why I prefer, you know, or maybe not the only reason, but one of the bigger reasons why I prefer a player like Jesse Bates, just because I think you already kind of have a similar, like a poor man's version, middle class man. Let's be, let's be respectful <laughs> for Richie Grant, a middle class version of, of, of Chauncey Gardner Johnson already on your roster, similar to Isaiah Oliver, and you don't really have anything close to Jesse Bates on your roster. So the mid-sized sedan version of CJGJ is already on uh, the Falcons roster, and you want you want the the maxed out full size sedan. I, 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 or no, I want it. You, you think that it's, it's the center fielder. That's what they need. I don't know. I guess I just feel like Richie Grant, um, can play that center fielder role. Like, I don't know. I felt like that was, I know that the last couple of years they've moved him all around. They want him to kind of be that Jack of all trades, especially in that Dean P's defense where like your safeties do a lot and dis- uh, disguise a lot of your defense. But I think he can play that center field role when given the chance. I thought that was something he did well in college. Um, but Kevin, is it is a similar vibe for you? Is it just, hey, I think Jesse Bates really clearly fits a role that the Falcons need. And I would like to see Richie Grant have the opportunity to continue to develop in this jack of all trades type of, of environment. Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking, I do like CJ, CJ, GJ, uh, you know, uh, I, I before the all the buzz about them tagging him, he was definitely probably going to be on this list for me just because of the connections all over the place and all and that sort of stuff. Um, but given that they're probably going to tag him, I, I was, you know, higher on Jesse Bates. And when I look at like handing out premium money to any free agent, the things that I always look at is like age. So if a guy is in their, you know, mid twenties, that's a big plus because with Jesse Bates, he just turned 26 a couple days ago, which is crazy. Um, and you could give him a five-year deal and he'd be turning 31. So um, it's it's pretty absurd uh, at this point that you could still have him get another extension with you uh, for several more years and him probably still playing at a high level. Also, it's consistency, um, especially giving out big money. And this is a guy that outside of one season has gotten at least three picks. Um, he's gotten an absurd number of passes defensed. It's a really reliable tackler. Um, not like a huge impact run stuffer, but a very good, reliable tackler. I mean, I think uh, he's got single digit missed tackle rates in three of his five seasons. Um, and in the ones where he had more, it wasn't like egregiously high. Um, so I, I do really like Jesse Bates. I, I think an argument can be made that he's like one of the best free agents, period. Um, safeties don't get the shine that a lot of other positions do, but I think Bates is such a key player. And the other thing is like, I think the Falcons secondary is much closer to being there um, than the front seven is. So I think you could make an argument for the Falcons targeting a premium safety 
And I, I do I do think that Richie Grant is better playing closer to the line of scrimmage. I think he's been much more consistent in that role. He does have, I think, the range to to succeed playing deep. And I think the Falcons will probably try to, to work that in and do some disguises and things like that. But with Jesse Bates, you can put him back there um, and, and just feel really, really good about everything. And you can let Richie Grant play closer to the line of scrimmage and be more aggressive and then maybe build out his role a little bit more over time. Um, but I think it, he's just such a good player. I, with him being a safety, you're not necessarily going to have to break the bank in the same way you would for like an edge rusher or like a Deron Payne or whatever. Like we're not talking 20, you know, some of these, some of these guys might get in the 20 plus million range. And I think Jesse Bates is going to get close to that, but safeties just don't make the same type of money. Like I think Jesse Bates will be in that 18 to 20 sort of range for maybe the best free agent player available on the market, you know, when all is considered, including his age and, and everything else like that. And like right now, it just, I don't know, it sort of feels sort of like it's inevitable. Like we've seen all like the, you know, oh, he's taking videos with Falcons players and hanging yeah. out with these guys. And that just seems to feel like there's this big connection there. Um, and there's not really anything to that video. Like there's nothing you know <laughs> workable, but it is like interesting. And the, the Bengals have apparently made no over- overtures to resign him. So he's going to probably, I mean, it seems like he's going to walk. Um, and there's no rules against Falcons players trying to recruit him. So, um, right. you know, it, it it seems like a great fit. It seems to make a lot of sense. And you could definitely see an offseason plan take shape where they sign Jesse Bates. They re-sign, you know, Isaiah Oliver to play the nickel. And then they draft like a Christian Gonzalez at eight. And then you're th- then you're feeling really, really good about the secondary and then trying to sort of go. And then hopefully, you know, this secondary there. is in great shape and it's 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 a part of the defense that you can rely upon each and every week. And then you build out the front seven from that place of strength instead of trying to fill random holes all over the defense, which is what they've had to do because everything was so bad. But I think if you can solidify <laughs> one spot of the defense, it's going to be easier to do it in the secondary and then work from, from that once it's established, then work on fixing the front seven. Um, and they could do both. I mean, they're going to obviously make moves to bolster the front seven too, but I think you can potentially fix the secondary this year. I don't, I'm not sure you can fix the front seven this year, even with multiple moves. I think it's going to be a work in progress regardless. So um, that's sort of why I think he's the target target number one uh, for the Falcons. Yeah, you put one position group to bed, hopefully this offseason, and then moving forward, you don't have to keep asking about all three levels of the defense, right? It makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you both are definitely onto something. Uh, I just, maybe for the sake of argument, want to throw somebody else out there, and also my heart's in it. Yeah. He's like such a an energetic player that I think he would give the, the defense a little bit of a bite that it hasn't had in recent years. Um, but those are our top fives real quick um, because we're running a little bit long here today. So thank you guys for sticking with us. If you uh, have made it this far, I'm going to run through our top fives uh, really quickly and then we'll get out of here. So Aaron, number five on his list, fullback Kari Blazing game. Number four, defensive end Marcus Davenport. Number three, defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. Number two, linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. Number one, Jesse Bates, the safety from Cincinnati. Kevin's list, number five, quarterback Taylor Heineke. Number Four, wide receiver Darius Slayton. Number three, edge defender Yannick Ngakwe. Number two, defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. And number one again, Jesse Bates. My list, number five, quarterback Jacoby Brissett. Number four, Mark Stavenport. Number three, linebacker Levante David. Number two, Javon Hargrave. And number one, safety slash nickel corner, CJ, GJ, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, all right, that was that was our, our top fives. Uh, how do you guys think that went, Kevin? Yeah, no, it's good stuff. I, I like the, the back and forth. There's definitely some, definitely some overlap. Definitely some, some different guys. And I think we we covered a lot of a lot of the names that'll be on Falcons fans' minds as we go into next week. So, there you go, Aaron. Any regrets on your list? No, uh, no, nothing, nothing uh, like that. Uh, I got the fullback in. That's all that matters. And clearly, based off of the conversation we had, we are all pretty much open to the Falcons signing any number. Of, of quality players. We just want a good football team. It's like, Hey, you know, we can come up with a list of like 15 guys that can make this a football team better. So, uh, you know, not a lot of disagreement here on some of these players, which I, I think makes sense given where this team has been the last couple of years. And we're just finally happy to have some money so that, you know, <laughs> that first couple of days of free agency, you know, we actually have something 
to keep up to pay attention to, to other than just basically twiddling our thumbs like we've done the last couple of off seasons. Yeah, we're moving on from the clearance rack to the uh, to the main showcase right up front, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode, which as always was presented by Bet Online. Thank you to Kevin and Aaron. You can find Kevin on Twitter at Falcolic Kevin. Find Aaron on Twitter at Falcfans. Find me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Um, please, you can check out all of our written work at the Falcolic, where you can find awesome draft coverage, free agency coverage, all good Falcon stuff. Um, that will do it for today. Please stay tuned to the feed. Next Wednesday, we got another podcast coming your way, probably breaking down something Falcons free agency related, but it'll be good nonetheless. Um, but until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.